1: that we had on the
0: 13th of September. So amazing. (laughs) So successful. Guys, it It has has not happened happened. (laughs) I mean, if you're listening at this live, it has happened. You missed it. Yes, yes. And how dare you. And it was great. I'm just kidding. Um, We'll probably do
1: a little mini intro or outro in the next couple episodes that you'll be hearing whatever the timing of it is. We're actually a week out from our event, so... Lots to still do, but it's coming along very well. We have a lot of sponsors. I mean, we've been talking about all the great panelists. There's been a lot of chatter on the Facebook.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but remember, buy your tickets in advance. Oh, wait. Well, it doesn't matter. It already happened. <laughs> I'm so in promotion mode. No, I don't it even, already happened. I don't, I don't know when this is, I don't know what today is. Okay, we're talking about things happening in the future. Yeah. Things when this is live happened in the past. Yeah. I don't even know what day it is. You don't.
1: <laughs> you don't know what day it is.
0: Look, school, when the time when uh, we're recording this, schools are starting and it's already getting crazy. Pandemonium. But we have exciting things on the
1: horizon. I know one of the things that is outside of the SPED world for Amanda and I that we'll be doing this next weekend, or whenever you guys hear this, it's the 23rd of September. is the Susan G. Coleman Walk, which we go with a really good friend of ours um, who lost her mother to the Battle of Cancer, and we've done it for the past couple of years now. Mm-hmm. And always great to see another amazing nonprofit doing things differently than we would do but still showing our support and yeah i mean it's just i think now we go to those types of events um obviously to support but we're also like oh This is what I would do if I was running a 5K or. Look,
0: what Vicky's trying to say is that when we go to other people's events, we have this idea that we can do everything better. Listen,
1: listen. We just have ideas. They are a well-oiled machine. They have so many volunteers. They have so many people that are working on this year round. Like I would never put us on that level. It's taken them a long time to get there. But that's also why they have the comment boxes and, you know, we can leave a comment about things. But I'm trying to think. I think last year when we went, there was very – I
0: can't even think of one thing. I think it was more so like, oh, that's a good idea to have. Yeah, yeah. Well, we go to so many of these, either we're participating or we're having a booth or we're a sponsor ourselves. We've been to enough of these where it's sometimes things work and sometimes things don't work. But yeah. it's always food for fodder. Like, obviously, we have not done as huge of events. And so, yeah. you know, we're still learning ourselves. But by doing, you you often learn, like, what's, what's good and, and, and what is often yeah. hard. And, of course, I guess... You know, with events that size, you know, I think how many people are usually at that one because it's at Newport Beach, so it's Orange County. It's like thousands of people, so there's going to be things that go wrong. Yeah,
1: but they they do a a fantastic job, so we're looking forward to that for our weekend. That's very much in the future. Yeah,
0: well, in the past. But anyway, I think we have an interesting topic. This yeah, a
1: couple couple
0: weeks ago. Yeah. So when we're recording this, it's September 5th. So we just got done with Labor Day weekend. It was a nice long weekend. And we find out that in Los Angeles Unified School District, which is the second largest school district in the nation, their teachers union has just voted to go on strike. And essentially and it was 98% to two authorizing the strike. So this is like not just a simple majority of the union, this is like almost everybody agreed and this is the first strike that this union has had in over 30 years.
1: They're obviously still in negotiation, so they're through, you know, mediation which can last into mid to late October. So I mean, it's September. I mean, it just September just started, but for them to already kind of have voted and have in their back pocket. I mean, it's a trend that we've seen. I think at uh, this time already, they're seeing some of the blue states like Washington State School Districts are on strike. Obviously, some teachers in Seattle had approved um, a vote earlier. And this follows West Virginia, Oklahoma, I think Arizona was third. We'll talk a little bit more about Arizona since there are neighbors as to like what the consequences would be.
0: Yeah, well, and it's interesting because this article and and not to get extremely political on this, but it is interesting because we have these other states, West Virginia and, and Arizona, we have a lot of red states that in the past couple of years have been going on strike. And now we're starting to see some blue states. But I do see a difference in the trend with I think the red states. Obviously, there's fundamental changes that they're, they're striking about in terms of how the school system works but I think a big part of theirs is teacher pay, whereas in a lot of the blue states, the emphasis is more on the educational programming rather than just the pay. And we're not experts on this, so I'm not saying that that's the one and only difference. It's just something that I've seen a little bit because this article that we found, which we'll post, they actually went and interviewed a lot of the teachers that actually voted and and asked why they had voted yes on on this strike, which I guess this strike, if it... If they don't reach negotiations by, like, beginning of October, then they would strike in October.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's 26,000, over 26,000 teachers, I think, that are within LAUSD. And it's it's a big... It's a big school district. This this would be major. I mean, a second to New York, you know, education. Yeah. Uh, school district.
0: Really interesting because you would think, as big as LAUSD and the teaching un- teachers union that falls LAUSD and I think the neighboring districts, they they haven't been on strike in thirty years. But the United Teachers. Of Los Angeles, UTLA is the the union that is, you know, set to strike. That was created only in the 1970s, so it's it's not like it's been around for 200 years or something like that. It's kind of, they've had their ups and downs, obviously, they had some strikes. But the last strike that they had was in the 90s. Where they defeated a disastrous school voucher plan. So obviously you've heard us on the pod talk about school vouchers and how you know nervous we are about Betsy DeVos and her plans for that. You know, and so that's it's very telling that that, that was the last time was they fought on something like that. And who knows, maybe they'll need to fight on vouchers again soon. Yeah, I'm
1: sure you know uh, the Betsy DeVos agenda has probably opened the eyes of a lot of different teachers within LAUSD. And I think you know some in in different articles, some teachers were were quoted saying like, "Look, pay raise is not on our agenda. It's more like the school funding and and the the student to teacher ratio." There was um, one teacher that was quoted saying, when I started teaching in 1999, the teacher to student ratio was one to 20. I had 20 kids in my class. These days, because of all the cuts, we don't even have school librarians anymore. We're teaching basic literacy. And he's saying that a sticking point in one of their contracts, which is an expired contract from last year, it's like section 1.5, which allows teacher to student ratios of one teacher alone in a class, no assistance, 46 students. That's insane.
0: (laughs) That's crazy. And it didn't say anything about, because I know that when I've looked up teacher ratio, school districts will have their policies, right? And oftentimes, and the Cal Ed Code has has requirements, but it's higher up than what some school districts do. Like they can make their policies smaller. Ages usually makes a difference. K through five should have a different ratio than middle school and high school. Was that forty six? Do you know if
1: it was what age that was? Um, no, this is just one of the teachers that they had quoted giving his general. It doesn't say what grade that he teaches in or anything like that. Just kind of gave his. Because
0: I will tell you, I, I've had up to twenty kids on my soccer team, and twenty running around crazy is a lot to handle. If I didn't, ha- I think I've had some practices where I haven't had any any of our one on ones. That's a lot. So I can't even imagine if it was second graders. And according to Los Angeles Times, if you
1: just Google LAUSD, you see that they have a budget of $7.59 billion. And so when they were negotiating, they've been in negotiation for over 16 months. Obviously, expiration, they're all working on expired contracts from last 2017, June. The district has rejected all of the UTLA's proposals, saying, look, we can't fund what you're asking for, but then the district also admits it has a 1.2 billion reserve. So the teachers' union actually believes that that's way larger. (laughs) And so they're just like, look, you guys are stalling, and we're gonna try to begin this strike, you know, at the beginning of October. You know, it's, it's interesting for the LA Times to be reporting on this because, I mean, it is Los Angeles, right? And so
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, so when we talk about the strikes that happened in other states, and I think you've got some articles on how many days they were on strike. A lot of the other, like, school districts and states that went on strike, we're talking about the second largest school district. you know how many thousands of students that's going to displace if they go on strike? Yeah, it's... The impact is going to be huge.
1: Just from the 2010 consensus there was 646,683 students enrolled in LAUSD, and that was eight years ago. Whereas, you know, when you're looking at a state like Arizona, they had gone on strike this last year from April 26th to May 3rd, and their main objective was they were being not paid. There was low pay and obviously the cuts to to school funding. So that's been something inherently that we've seen is, is cuts to school funding. And we had had a podcast talking about, a district in Colorado that was going down to a four-day school week. And I i had never heard of that, but apparently there's a lot of school districts
0: out there that do that. Yeah, I just heard on one of the other podcasts yeah. we listened to, they were talking about another state yeah. that had done that, like that an entire had done state.
1: It, the entire state. And so, obviously, they were, they were on strike, and it ended in, you know, they had different methods of demonstration. Internet activism has definitely been something that has, has helped reach people outside of the state of Arizona, walkouts and, and different occupations. And essentially what ended up happening was that it resulted in a 20% salary raise for the teachers by 2020, a 9% raise for the teachers in this academic school year, the 2018-2019, and then subsequent 5% raises for the next two years and then increase support staff salaries. So, you know, one of the goals was to decrease of the student-teacher ratio, um, 23 to one. It didn't necessarily result in that, but I'm sure that they saw, okay, you know, this is an effective tool that we can use in the future. I think it was Arizona's governor that had approved the, the proposal for mm-hmm. it. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things where the salaries before the walkout So, before the walkout, teacher salaries in 2018 were between 8,000 and 9,000 lower than teacher salaries in 1990. Wow. When adjusted for inflation. So, you know, it's one of those things where we want our teachers to be paid well. We want the students to be taught as best as they can in that environment. And I think a lot of teachers do not get paid enough. And even if you had perfect conditions, it's already hard to be a teacher but then working with substandard like textbooks and equipment and and then on top of that you know some people that you know are doing it just for the paycheck and then they're not getting paid enough i mean the kids are the ones that really suffer and and that's what makes it difficult and that's why you know oftentimes we care about all children with the inclusive education project however you know, with federal funding for children with disabilities, that's why we try to focus in, especially when people are like, oh, you sue districts, like that's not, that's not okay, we don't, they don't have any money, and it's like it's federally funded, one. Two, what does that say about how we treat people with disabilities if we're not trying to level the playing field? Do you want them to, you know, be at home when they could be outside working and just getting a, a social security disability check? When they could be, you know, an actual productive member of society, do you, where right. do you want that money to go to? You know, three to eighteen, maybe twenty-two, or twenty-two to ninety. Right. <laughs> right. There's going to be a greater cost. That's usually the argument I have for more fiscally conservative people.
0: Well, and we see with conditions in schools, the worse they are, the higher the chance the dropout rate increases. And so, if we're seeing classrooms of forty-six. There's already a high enough chance that students are going to slip through the crack. And not just students with disabilities, but students of color, students uh, from low-income families, homeless students, they're already facing so many uphill battles as it is. So then, like, even if they were in a supported classroom, they're already facing battles. So then you go into a classroom that's unsupported, they're going to slip through the cracks automatically, and the numbers are just going to rise of how many students are dropping out of high school that even without a disability is leading to unemployment and the inability to future income and and all of that and, and the quality of life. And I mean, you know, starting
1: with West Virginia, their strike happened on the 22nd of February of this last year. And essentially, there's about 20,000 teachers and public school employees that were involved. There were shutdowns in schools in all 55 of West Virginia's counties, and approximately 250,000 kids were affected. So it started on the 22nd of February, it ended on March 7th. And it kind of spurred, you know, this movement, right? That we're seeing, you know, people using their right to organize and protest, and and use their unions, you know, and and different people being affected. It's like all, what is it? All the boats rise in the tide, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like everybody is helped at a, to a certain extent. And with West Virginia, it, it did result in a five percent pay raise for teachers. So what we're seeing with each and every different kind of state and the collaborators that are putting together the protests and the demonstrations is that they're adding more you know it's not just about pay raises for the teachers it's about the the school funding we know where we need the money to go to textbooks you know technology so we're seeing the teachers I I think get a bit more bold yeah um, which is great and really put the children first which is important.
0: Absolutely. So, I mean, we'll check back in, you know, when it gets closer, if this actually yeah. happens. But it'll it'll be, you know, interesting to see if the union sticks their guns. And, and I think we talked about we're, we're going to have a pod all on the unions. We're still building up um, information about it. But we're not always for the unions, but there are... Places for the unions. It's it's a touch or go relationship, right? We we deal with in special education law a lot of red tape with these districts and how the school districts operate. And a lot of that red tape comes from restrictions that are placed from the unions. A lot is on the law, is we've got unions that are lobbying for and against certain laws that either we, you know, do find that there's challenges with or again cause that red tape. So there's a lot to be said about, you know, you can be pro or against union, but at the end of the day, what these teachers, so it's not necessarily just the union. I mean, the union is supporting it and the union is um, funding it and whatnot, but the teachers themselves, like in this article, they, they really did speak to the teachers to really see, are you for this and 98% of them said yes. And the reason Vicki said, or you know, all across the board on making sure that our kids are getting an, an appropriate education, which is what we fight for every day. It's just there's different ways to go about it. And um, this is the way the teachers are choosing to go about it. And hopefully they can, you know, I, I guess my only fear you know, you have strikes and you have negotiations that. You know, you may have to give a lot or you may give a little. How much are they going to give to go back to the classroom? Because they realize that their livelihood and and, you know, these kids need to be in school. So that's the only hard part I see with these strikes. It needs to be done because there needs to be change. But the kids somewhat are hurting because they're out of school, right? And then you've got the union kind of has a wrap around the teacher's throats in a sense because... The teachers are having to balance that. Do we push for change or do we deal with what's happening right now? These kids are out of school for how long and they're but they're going to have to weigh those factors. But I think it brings the importance of what the
1: district is doing. I think I'm, I'm all for unions and if you don't like who your union rep is, you can vote them out. The same thing with presidential elections, with local and state elections, they are there to serve you. And not all unions have the best rap, but you know you can get involved you know if, if, if you're not putting in a vote then then you know why are you complaining and in california you know there's been a, a long history of different unions i know in nevada obviously we, we have las vegas and a lot of the people i mean i think everyone is in a union and it's one of those things where people on average stay in their jobs and this is food hotel you know obviously vegas like i said big revenue they stay in their jobs anywhere from 8 to 12 years that yeah. is amazing and it's because their unions work for them and they make their unions work for them and so you know as a teacher they're not sitting here saying okay well they've been on expired contracts for over a year and it's come to a point where it's just look we don't want to hurt the kids either, but we don't even have the appropriate funding for the right textbooks, for the right technology. Right. We need to push this. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bummer because the school year's starting and the kids will be, you know, LAUSD started very early. They started early August. So they'll have two months under their belts and, you know, hopefully the strike doesn't go on very long like it has, and, and it really hasn't in some of the other other states. But I think it's also a wake-up call for the district because there is no oversight into how the budget is being done. And sometimes people just think, well, that's how we've always done it, so we continue to do it. So, you know, if LAUSD is going to do that, it's going to be major. I mean, they're the second largest district in the United States, so it'll be very interesting to see how quickly the district is, is able to respond. But we had just last week, uh, one of my clients is on home hospital. And home hospital is when the child temporarily needs to be outside of the school setting. And a teacher, minimal uh, one hour a day, five days a week. And we were trying to arrange times and stuff. and he was like yeah well i'm just going to go on strike next week and he works at a different agency that is employed by that particular district and it was it was just very interesting so this teachers strike or at least the vote to i mean obviously it made news because it's major you know i don't think there's news about you know the plumbers union association
0: that's going to go on strike right. or something. this yeah. this
1: is affecting a well, lot well
0: and it's interesting i was just looking up it's interesting that that the district claims that They don't have funding for the things that the teachers are asking for, which, again, isn't all just pay. To put things into perspective, the superintendent of LAUSD makes $350,000 a year. Mm -hmm. I understand that the superintendent of the second largest school district in the nation is an important job and probably encompasses a lot. But please tell me why she deserves to make that much when teachers make so little and we don't have... we don't have music programs. We don't have art programs. You we have don't have like counselors. I'm sorry, but that is just ridiculous. So I know that we've we've talked a lot in past pods about um, how we said school districts have money. So yes, right now we're saying school teachers aren't paid enough, and that's something that we always support because in some school districts they make a lot more than others. So there's a discrepancy there, but. You may be thinking, well, what is it? Which is it, right? Do the school districts have money or do they not have enough money? Mm -hmm. These school districts, they have enough money. But if you need to look at where the money is going. So if you look, that much money is going to the superintendent every year. Should she be making that much money? If she even took a half cut, that would still be a crazy amount of money to make for anyone and we would have so much left left over to, to go across the board to other areas. So when we say that there is money, there is money. It's just the school districts are allowed to essentially allocate where the money is going and put it in their budget. And it's the board, it's the administrators that get to make those decisions. And the oversight of the California Department of Education, as probably in many other states, is so minimal that we're dealing with situations where they're allowed to do whatever they want. And guess what they want to do? They want to put more money in their pockets. So that's where the money is going. And, and not enough people know, because a lot of people perpetuate the idea that there's not enough money because they see low teacher salaries, right? But just because a teacher is not getting paid a lot doesn't mean that the district can come back and say, oh, well, we don't have the money to pay that. No, you
1: do. Well, so it's interesting because there was an article just um – From Mm -hmm. yesterday talking about LAUSD's problem of having one in four kindergartners chronically absent. Mm -hmm. And it's part of a multi-million dollar problem. So basically what ends up happening is that schools get paid by the state, right, for every child that is in school every day. So in in 2016-2017 school year, LAUSD claimed that they had lost about $630 million in revenue because over 80,000 students, so they're saying like approximately 14% of all their students were chronically absent. Chronically absent is defined as missing 15 or more days. So obviously if you're sick, you know that that's about two weeks, whatever, but if you're missing more than 15 days, and, and I'm sure there's various reasons that multiple children, especially in LAUSD, are missing, but essentially 630 million dollars in revenue you know are they missing out because they um, they don't have meals or you know they're they're not getting to school on time you know what what is what is the problem And, and obviously you know if they're able to try and figure out that problem and you know, it's so easy for us to sit here and say, oh, just pay them more. Like there's money there. Just pay them more. Like, look, I'm all for being creative with different solutions. If you want to get teachers to be working in some of these school areas and you're going to forgive their loans, do it. They work for, you know, quote unquote free for a year and then their loans are forgiven. I'm okay with that. It's one of those things where you could just think of of something creative to, to try to solve this problem. I mean, Throwing money at uh, problems sometimes helps, but I, I, I think it's much more. We, we have a, bitter, a bigger systemic problem, especially in LAUSD. They are massive. They have so many kids that are in their school districts. I had said in the 2010 consensus, I found some other information on LAUSD, you know, in 20. 10, it was about 646,000 now it's about 734,000 you know and it's over a thousand schools that LAUSD is in and if you ever look at a map like there's some districts around us in Orange County they have one elementary school, one middle school and one high school or right. they just have their own elementary and then you have your own like districts are not this big ever no. No. Um, and so you know I, I get it that they, they have a problem and And, you know, we're bringing it to your guys' attention, obviously. Food for thought. Nobody wants the schools to shut down, um, but nobody wants... Children to have not the right technology or even textbooks. You know, I think I had read somewhere California is so low. Out of all the states, it's forty something, right? Yeah, we're forty
0: six out of fifty. Yeah, in education, it's just like uh, even though, and we're like one of the our GDP <laughs> of the state of California is a lot bigger yeah, than like the majority the of countries. Yeah, yeah which like so that is the most ridiculous thing, yeah. and. And it, I don't know. that That's hard. But we'll see, you know, what happens yeah, we'll with the strike. we'll keep you guys and... updated on that for sure. Like I
1: said, it's nice to uh, see people using their right to protest and, and organize for progressive change, especially when it comes to our children and their future. We will keep you guys posted about that. And um, this is a little bit of a different pod. We've had a couple, Amanda and I doing the pod but we're getting some great guests in to the studio in the next couple weeks. So that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah,
0: and now that at the time that this episode drops, now that our event um, has happened, stay tuned in the future weeks for the actual event, the live audio to be oh, included yes. as, a, as an extended pod. So that'll come in the coming weeks. So keep an eye out for that. And if you missed our event and you're interested in donating to this cause, go to our website. There's a donate button. You know, we, we do a lot to provide not only pro bono legal aid, but education for families that are low income. Every single one of the families that gets serviced by the Inclusive Education Project is, is low income. They're, they're barely, you know, they're, they're doing everything they can to get their kids to school. And a lot of times they, they need help. They can't hire an advocate. They can't hire an attorney. So we're, we're really trying to, to help with that process and, and, and also do this podcast and, and do more trainings to get the word out more. So we appreciate any support that you're able to give. Or, you know what, if you're not finding Financially able to donate, just send someone information about this pod, have them start listening. Yeah, uh, we appreciate it. Website is Iepcalifornia.org.
1: So we hope you guys check it out and check us out on Facebook and we will talk.